Hello and welcome to the Victory Alabang Podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series entitled On a Journey. Together, we'll look into the life of Jesus, the perfect example of discipleship. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Today, we're also looking at what does it mean for us to be fruitful. And I believe that God wants us to be able to reach out to others. And next week, we're going to be looking at how does it mean for us to be able to journey together with other people. Right. So, um, if you have your... Let's go, let's go ahead and um, read the word this morning. I mean, this afternoon. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. And I'd like to invite everybody to stand as we give reverence to God's Word. John chapter 15. All right. Beginning in verse 1 to verse 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Everybody say, abide in me. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, everybody say, abide in me again. And my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Let's read all together, verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this, uh, this afternoon. I pray, God, that you would uh, anoint the preaching of your word, open up our eyes and our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church. And we thank you, Lord God, that we'll be able to uh, have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and to even uh, journey with you closer in our walk with you. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. I just want to thank each of you for spending your uh, afternoon here uh, in church. I know that uh, there's just so many things happening around the globe. And how many of you know at times when you hear news, uh, you can't help but be anxious or be fearful. But how many, you know, I agree with the prayer of Pastor uh, Rain earlier that, you know, it's the Lord that protects us. And there's nothing like uh, coming to church together uh, on a Sunday. There's nothing, you know, you can't really substitute church by watching live stream or whatever, okay? Uh, I know that we're all community, but still, uh, if you're not feeling well, go ahead and, um, and rest. And uh, we believe that God's healing will be upon you. Okay, uh, so we're, we're talking about uh, being fruitful and uh, fishing for men. What does it mean for, you know, for us to be disciples of Christ? And so 
last week, Pastor Rico has uh, basically talked about what does it mean for us to follow Jesus. And, you know, if, you're, if you've been walking uh, with this church for a while, you know, many times you would actually define discipleship as three things, what we call three Fs, okay? These are the three good F words that you will hear from church, okay? <laughs> I know that when you say F words, oh, what's an F word, okay? Uh, you know, discipleship is first following Jesus, okay? That's the first F, okay? Second, it's fish for men, right? And the third F is fellowship with believers. Now, how many of you think that you can do all three, okay? And this is what discipleship is all about. So we're, we're journeying right now and we're actually digging deeper. What does it really mean? For us to be a follower of Christ. And so last week, Pastor Rico <clears throat> talked about walking with God, journeying and following Jesus. We're not following a church. We're not following a pastor. We're not following a leader. Though the example, you know, even as the Apostle Paul has said, follow me as I follow Christ. We can't really say that don't follow us. Because the fact remains is if you are ahead of that person that you're discipling, ultimately, He's going to look at your life and will validate if you're a real Christian. Isn't that right? But the Bible says, even as Paul has mentioned, you follow me as I follow Christ. Of course, you know, sometimes people fail and what happens is, you know, we, we still look to Christ. Okay? You know, if you think that, you know, you're, maybe your leader has some character flaws or maybe you're offended with your pastor. You know, how many of you know that in church, it's normal to be offended. Welcome to church. And this is your family. You know, for example, you know, many of us have been uh, married. We, we know that it is really difficult for us to maintain a relationship without getting offended. And so this is where we start off, by having a relationship. And so when Jesus was walking in Galilee, so two brothers, Simon and uh, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. It's interesting that the very occupation that they have is that metaphor that Jesus used in calling them. And so Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. What's their occupation again? They were fishermen. They were not shepherds. They were not bakers. They were not farmers. Maybe if they were bakers, you know, Jesus probably would have, you know, said, I, I don't know, maybe follow me and I will make you bakers for men. I don't know. Or maybe, uh, you know, if, you, if they were shepherds, follow me and I will make you shepherds for men. And eventually, he shifted the mindset of being a fisherman in John chapter 21 to that of a shepherd. He was talking to Peter. But this is one picture that Peter and Andrew and James and John are so familiar with. They have always been in the water. They, they are familiar with fishing. They know that in order for the fish to get into the boat, they have to go out into the open sea because the fish will not come to the shore. How many of you know that the nature of the fish is they wait to be caught? And that's really the nature of fish. And so I was asking this morning, what's the difference of a fisherman and a fisher of men? I actually used this in my, one of my preachings uh, Long time ago, a fisherman is someone who catches live fish and kills it so that it'll be useful for food, right? How many of you would like to eat live sushi? Of course, at least it's dead, okay? Uh, but yet, a fisher of men 
catches dead men and brings them into the feet of the master and he makes them alive so that they can be useful for his service. So that's why Jesus is not only asking us to follow him, but he is also telling us to become a fisher of men. A disciple is actually a follower of Jesus and a disciple is also a fisher of men. Another thing about discipleship is discipleship is all about relationship. We see this, that, the, the, that Jesus was establishing a relationship with his disciples. The very first relationship that we need to have is relationship with God. That's the vertical uh, line. And then relationship with others, that's the horizontal line. How many of you find it easier to love God than loving others? You know, loving God is easy because he loves us. He's been good to us. But yet loving others can really be a challenge. Relationships can sometimes be messy. We are all involved in different kinds of relationships. Uh, relationships with our brothers and sisters here in church. Look at the person beside you. Okay? That is an important relationship whether you like it or not because guess what? You're going to be with each other forever. Not just for here on earth, but forever. Okay? And not sure if that is good news or bad news, but for me, that's good news. Okay? By the way, speaking of relationship, you know, many of us are married and, you know, me and my wife are celebrating our 30th anniversary tomorrow. And we thank God for the grace of God, the goodness of God in us. You know, I, I use that not so that you can greet us. I use that as an example because, you know, in the past 30 years, and yeah, I know that, yeah, we got married at the age of 10. No, just kidding, okay? But in the past 30 years, it's not been a walk in the park. It's, it's, you know, hindi madali, you know. <clears throat> There's a lot of times when we were, you know, facing a lot of difficulties, internal attitudes, uh, external, our family, losing a child, sickness in the family. So there's a lot of challenges that we all face. But it is never an excuse for us to leave another behind. Amen. Can I hear an amen to that? <clears throat> it's easy to say I quit. It's easy to say that. It's easy to say I give up. It's easy to say I don't like anymore. It's easy to say, to say that you go ahead. I'm just going to stay here. But ultimately, life or discipleship is about us sticking together no matter what. And when you talk about relationships, it's imperative that we need to learn how to forgive. Everybody, help us, Lord. You know, and it's, um, you know, maybe some of us have been going through some uh, something today or maybe have just gone through something, but yet we are all in that. And believe it or not, if it hasn't come from uh, in you yet, you know, it's just a matter of time that we'll all also be offended. Discipleship is not just relationship. It's also about a journey. Thus, the title, On a Journey, we're all going together, different paces. We're all journeying from one point to the next. And I think when you talk about journey, you don't stop where you are. You continue moving on. You know, last uh, Friday, uh, February 14, uh, we had a like a pastor's uh, not about date, okay? But a pastor's uh, leadership lesson, okay, or leadership time out. And so what we did was you watched this movie, 1917, and I'm not really sure if you watched that movie. How many of you watched that movie? 
Okay? It's no longer in the cinema. Okay? So it's okay. I'm just gonna tell you what happened. You can actually thank me for that. No. Patay sila lahat doon. Okay? So 1917, the setting of the movie was in World War I. It's the British versus the Germans. And there were two British corporal officers or cadets that were tasked by the general to go from their, what do you call this, from their bunker to the other side across enemy lines. The whole idea was for them to be able to deliver this message in order to save 1,600 soldiers because the German army deceived them by saying that they are retreating whereas they're actually advancing and they're ready to face off. You can actually see that in the trailer. Don't worry, okay? And so their, their whole mission is to be able to cross all this uh, territory of the Germans in order to be able to deliver and tell the colonel in that side, the British colonel, to not move forward because it's going to be a massacre of 1,600 soldiers. Two soldiers who went forward and they said yes. One of those soldiers, his motivation was his brother was on the other side and he's about to be killed. And so you can imagine they were given only less than like 24 hours It was in the afternoon and they have to deliver the message at dawn. And, you know, all the different kinds of challenges came. But what's amazing for this is that I realized that I cannot do this journey alone. There's so much challenge. They had so much difficulty. There was like a bomb explosion. The other was down. The other was motivating him. And he said these words, get up, get up. And then... In another scene, there was like a stab wound and the other soldier is saying, get up, get up. I think in life, when we go through life's difficult situation and we are down on the ground, we need someone to tell us, to pick us up and say, get up, get up. That, I believe, is what discipleship journey is all about. Amen. And it's just so difficult for us to be able to walk this Christian walk alone. I realize that we need one another. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, I need you. Look at the other side and tell the person, you need me. And then look at the other side in the back, okay? We're a happy family. Parang ganun, okay? Parang si Barney yun, di ba? With a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. For those of you who don't know that, that was like the... And that was a long time ago. So Jesus said in verse 1, He said, I am the vine and my Father is the vine dresser. He was establishing, what does it mean for us to follow Jesus? And what does it mean for us to fish for men? In this set of verses that we just read, we can actually have a zoom in on this concept of following Jesus and fishing for men. Jesus is the true vine. And his father, God himself, is the vine dresser or the gardener. How many of you know that when you talk about Jesus as the vine, it means that he is the source of life. All nourishment comes from him. Everything comes from him. Without him, we cannot do anything. He is the vine. You and I are the branches. And that's a beautiful picture. This was Jesus' final words to his disciples before he went to the cross. Final message. Before they took communion together. Before they partook 
partook of the Last Supper, this was what Jesus was telling His disciples, using the metaphor of a garden, using the metaphor of a vine and the branches, and His God or His Father was, was the gardener. Jesus indeed gives us life. In John chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, uh, The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but He came to give us what? Life, and life abundant. My question for us today is, do we have life? You know, sometimes you think that life is going to the beach. You know, hashtag, this is life, whatever. Okay, so we think about different kinds of, of hashtag. This is the life, you know. I'm having a party, I'm having a ball, I'm having this. You know, I just got my new house. This is life. I'm, I'm going this, I'm, I'm traveling to whatever, whatever okay. I'm going to, uh, I need to be careful, okay. I, I'm going to, you know, someplace... <laughs> supposed to say <laughs> but i need to be sensitive okay you know but yet you know sometimes when we say we are traveling this is the life but is that really life do we find life in those things bible says in him is life jesus brings us life and if apart from christ i believe there's no life what seemingly is looking like life is like a mirage you know, if you think that our career is life or our new job is life or this new relationship with this girl is life or this, you know, or whatever it is, your promotion is life. I think that you're drawing your life from the wrong source. Are we here this afternoon? The real source of life is only found in Christ. Jesus is the life source. Without the source, we are dead. You know, no matter how high-tech our telephone is, or telephone, our mobile phone is, <laughs> no matter how, uh, you know, high-tech this gadget is, without the battery, without the source of power, this is useless. It's but a paperweight. If you don't charge it, can't use it. And if you look at yourself as someone who's getting your life from a wrong source, then it's only a matter of time that your life will dissipate. And you'll be burnt out. And you'll say, what happened to my life? As if, is that life? I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. What gave me interest about this particular passage that we've read is in verse 2. It says in ESV, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he what? He takes away. What does it mean for God to take away someone? Take home ba to? Paano ba to, di ba? And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. How many of you know people who are not fruitful? How many of you are not fruitful? Don't raise your hand anymore. Because when you talk about fruit, what does it mean for us to be fruitful? There are different areas in our life that ought to bear fruit. You know, years ago, I was, when I was teaching this particular text, I used to teach it differently because the text was different and I was getting it from the NIV version. 
It says in the NIV, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So the NIV says, He cuts off a tree or a branch that is not fruitful. So as I was looking at that, I said, Lord, meron palang hangganan. You know, I said that, you know, sometimes even though God is merciful and God is compassionate and God is ever patient and can have long forbearance, yet there is a time when He cuts off a branch. But was that really what was being said in this text? And as I dug deeper, in fact, some other commentaries are saying that, you know, if you remain fruitless, God will take you home to heaven already. Can you imagine that? If you don't bear fruit here on earth, what he's saying is, that's it. You're, you know, He's going to bring you home. But is that really what is being said here? But I, as I dug deeper in the, in the Greek lexicon, I found out that this word to take away is coming from the word airo. Everybody say airo. Airo means to raise, to take up, to lift, to carry, to bear. So it is so different from the cutting off. What this picture is giving to us is that the gardener or God Himself is lifting us up in order for us to bear fruit. This same word is found in Matthew chapter 9 when, God's, when Jesus spoke to the paralytic and when He said, get up, pick up your mat or iro your mat and walk. Same, same word. Raise up, to pick us up, to lift us up, to bear. In Matthew 15, 37, in the feeding of the 4,000, when there were leftover fish and loaves, they actually picked it up and brought it home. They are airo. They airo the fish and the bread and they brought it home. So is the picture of this really about God cutting us off or about God lifting us up? I believe God wants to lift us up. And you know what? This is so consistent with the teachings in the parable of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son squandered everything and the father was just there waiting for the son to come home. Amen. And that's somehow what is what God is. Every branch in me does not bear fruit. And I want to emphasize here, every branch in me, not just any wild branch. He's talking about any branch that is part of the body. Any branch that is part of the fellowship. Any branch that is part of the church. In other words, this is one of us. Any branch that is a Christian already, but yet is not bearing fruit. How many of you know that God is compassionate to His own children? Amen. But yet He disciplines those whom He loves. Hebrews chapter 10 says. And there is a way for God to discipline. In this particular text, we see that He takes away or He iro. He raises up those people who are actually fallen. You know, I'm not really a gardener. And I don't have green thumb. But my wife loves gardening. Sometimes she speaks to the plant. Good morning. I said, But anyway, so, <clears throat> but you know, she speaks to the plant. And sometimes, sometimes when the plant is actually withering, you know, 
I said, ako na lang lamang hawakan mo para mabuhay rin ako. Something like that, okay? Because she's got green thumb and every time she holds the plant, they became alive. They become alive. Yes. Amen. And so, this actually is a picture of trellis. This is where the vine is being placed. Every time a gardener plants a vine, this is where the vine actually crawls and they actually develop their root system and so that they can actually have a support so that when the fruit is ready to come out, you know, they have a space to bear the fruit. And so the picture of this is, you know, sometimes the vine falls off the ground. And when a vine is on the ground, how many of you know that it is incapable of bearing fruit? And what this verse is saying is our God who is a vine dresser, who is a gardener, is one that lifts us up, goes down, picks up the vine, and puts it back on the trellis. That's the picture of Airo. And some, he doesn't want us to wallow in the mud. You know, the enemy of the Israel is called the Philistines. And the Philistines, if you look at their Hebrew name, they really mean wallowing in the mud or rolling in the dirt. Unfortunately, some Christians have been blown off or have been taken down by the enemy because of maybe compromise, sin, you know, adversities in life, and they have chosen to just stay there on the ground. But how many of you know that we have a good God? He will not allow us to be fruitless. Amen. He's a good father. And you know, the very first covenant or command that he gave to us in Genesis chapter 1 is what? Be fruitful and multiply. It's part of the blessings that he gave, he gave the church. And so he wants everybody to be fruitful. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, be fruitful. So God designed each and every one of us to be fruitful. He wants us to be like this, to bear fruit. When you are downcast, He lifts you up. He cares for people. He always lifts up people. We see this in the different stories in the New Testament. You know, He, he reached out to the woman in the well in, in John chapter 4. No one wants to talk to the Samaritan woman, but not Jesus. He was willing to go to her and lift up her countenance to accept her. He raised up the, the, the daughter of Jairus. He raised up the mother of Peter. Was, uh, the mother-in-law of Peter was sick. He raised up the paralytic uh, in, the, in, the, in the pool of Bethsaida. He was able to raise up people. You know, that's why I believe that Jesus is not about kicking those who are weak. He's about lifting them up and picking them up. And if you're one of those who's gone through a lot of situations or turmoils in your life, guess what? Jesus wants to pick you up. Bring you back on the trellis so that you can be fruitful like this. Every branch that does bear fruit, in the second part of this, he prunes. The first part is he actually puts them back so that it can be fruitful. Now, the second part of this verse is if you are fruitful, what he does is he prunes you. I'd like to ask Pastor Bodhi to help me here on stage. Imagine Pastor Bodhi is the beautiful vine, tall vine, tall vine, and he has a branch there, okay? There, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ang taas, di ko kaya abutin yan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as a gardener, my responsibility is to keep this vine fruitful. And how do I make it fruitful? By cutting off the ear. No, 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 just kidding. By cutting off some of the branches, Right? You know, I was asking my sister-in-law earlier, and she has a, uh, 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 
mga one uh, one hour lang tayo dito, okay? You know, she was actually telling us earlier, you know, as we were having uh, like coffee earlier, that her bougainvillea uh, was a little bit overflowing with leaves. And what she did was, in order for the bougainvillea to have more flowers, she started cutting it off. And I said, kawawa naman yung bougainvillea. But actually, what she's doing is she's pruning it so that she can, she can make room for more flowers to come out. I don't really know about gardening. I actually just barely passed Gardening 101 when I was grade 2. But this is what happens, okay? So when you are a gardener, you actually choose some of the part of the plant that is actually needing of pruning so that you can actually bring new growth in the, there you go. I'm not a good gardener, sorry. In order for this branch to carry the fruit. How many of you know that the vine does not carry the fruit? The fruit does not come from the vine nor the trunk. It always comes from the branches. So if, for example, if this is healthy, then there's going to be fruit, right? And so what you can do is the gardener himself would be able to enjoy Yeah. Let's give a hand to Bodhi. Do you get the picture? Sometimes God will actually take his scissors and prune us. And as I was just doing my reading, pruning is not a form of punishment. Pruning is actually a reward and a gift. So when you get pruned, like for example, you're going through some situations in your life, maybe a trial, a testing, a difficulty, maybe a relationship problem, maybe problem with health, maybe, you know, problem with your patience. God will actually allow things to happen in order for our character to be revealed so that we can actually be even be pruned so that we can be even more fruitful that's what the vine dresser is doing to us in verse 3 it says already you are clean because of the word that i have spoken to you in verse 4 it says abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me. You know, the word abides comes about nine times in this one chapter alone. Abide, 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 abide. To abide means to remain. To abide means to stay. To abide means to cling on to. To abide means to not give up even when times are hard. To abide. You know, sometimes uh, we live in an instant culture. It's a culture of instant. We want everything happening already. We want instant maturity. We want instant gratification. We want instant rewards. But many times, you know, when you talk about the kingdom of God, it's all about the opposite. It's a kingdom of, it's an upside-down kingdom. 
what the world is teaching is not really what's happening in the kingdom of God. If the world is saying that this is, you know, everything is instant, in the kingdom of God, everything takes time. Many times, God tells us to wait. And the hardest thing to do for us is to wait. But God himself is even the Lord of time. Remember his first miracle in the land of Cana is in a wedding. And what was that miracle all about? It's turning water into wine. You know, we talked about grape. And normally, wine comes from grapes. It takes about maybe three, four years before the first bunch of grapes comes out of the vine. And it takes about maybe, I'm not really a wine drinker, so I don't know if this is accurate. It takes about maybe five to ten years for this grape to be turned into good wine. So maybe a total of 15 years, 20 years, give or take. But for Jesus, he can just instantly take that because he is the Lord of time. And whatever he did in that miracle in the wedding of Cana is one thing. He actually time warped everything as if from the beginning of the planting of that grape into the harvest, into the fermentation, into the making of a new wine. How many of you know that the longer the wine, the better tasting it becomes? My encouragement for us churches. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trial of many kind. When God's pruning comes, just wait, sit there, abide, remain. What's interesting here is we're not just abiding in Him. He is the one abiding in us. If we think that we're the only one holding Him, no, He's the one holding us. That's the reason why there's no real reason why we have to give up because He is the one holding us. We are called to abide in him. And I believe that this is an invitation for us to come before him every single day. And how do you abide in Christ practically? By obeying him, by listening to his voice, by prayer, by reading his word, and by walking with him, just by being sensitive to the Spirit of God. You it's our relationship. It's not about you just trying to follow a process. It's not about you just finishing one-to-one or joining a victory group or coming to church or, you know, tapos na in church at 4.30, then, okay, na ako pagka-Kristiyano ko for the day, you know. It's really about us remaining in the vine. And you know, when you talk about the vine, the life from the vine comes not just intermittently, but it comes pretty regularly. Whenever the vine gives nourishment to the branches, it always flows out pretty regularly. It's kind of like your blood flow. Can you imagine... If you don't have blood on your head, what do you feel? Nauseated or, you know, dizzy? Because every time there's blood flowing there, that's exactly how life is, it is with, with the Lord. His life source is flowing in us and through us. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, He is before all things, and in Him all things, everybody say all things, all things hold Together, Adam Clark said, God can do without men, but man cannot do without God. But yet God chooses to be with us. That's how much God loves us. We can't live our lives without Him. Yet many times we act as if everything depends on us. 
I was reminded of the story of a little girl who was praying before, you know, before she sleeps. And she said, Dear God, bless mommy and daddy. Bless my friends and bless me. And also, please take care of yourself. Because if something happens to you, we're in big trouble. You know, she understands that everything depends on God. And we're not only created to abide in Him, we're also made to abound through Him. Did you know that you can never ever bear fruit on your own? All you've got to do is to abide in the vine and the fruit comes. All you've got to do is just to bear the fruit. That's it. We're fruit bearers. We're not fruit producers. You don't produce the fruit. You only carry the fruit. The fruit comes to us because we're abiding in the vine. The fruit comes to you by spending regular time with the Lord, by hearing God. You know how to be patient? I don't. But it's just by regularly conversing with the Lord and allowing God to deal with our impatience. No, truth be told, I thought I was a patient man until I got married. After 30 years, you know, God showed me that I was not patient at all. And then God gave me children. Thank you, Lord. It was like multiplied. You know, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because I thought that I was not impatient. I, I was not patient. I, I, I was not impatient. But the circumstances around me revealed who I really am. I was impatient. But yet this is possibly one of the things that God's dealing with me right now. And of course, when I go and drive, patience is also being tested every day. Praise God. Anyway. So we are called to abide in Him. And we are also made to abound. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialabang.church.